All right, so this has been about three and a half years in the making, but I wanted to wait until we got to hard time to reveal to you, Richard, yeah. that Truck About is not real. Okay. This is a figment of your imagination that I have created to punish you for all of the terrible things that you've done over your life. You have to understand, I would not be quite so angsty about this experience than as O'Brien would be. But then again, I'm a little more familiar with psychedelics than he is. So, you know, that's – I liked this episode, but it was hard to watch. And this is certainly – I'm beginning to see what people mean by O'Brien getting tortured. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is like the fourth time this has happened. I didn't – this was a very good episode. It was a very interesting episode. There will be a lot of meat to talk about, I think. But I didn't like this episode. And I think it might I, – I, I frankly didn't – uh, 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 like either episode this week, and I think they were both kind of hard to watch for me. Okay, why? Well, this one in particular. I mean, this one I kind of have an idea why. This but... one much more. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Dark Mirror, you know, or Shattered Mirror, whatever the hell it's called. I mean, it, obviously that's nowhere near as you know drenching, you know, drenching and difficult as this one is. But this is re- it's really tough to watch what's happening to O'Brien in this one. I mean, obviously it's effective that they pick, you know, that character to torture, but at the same time Well, yeah, and that's why they pick O'Brien because he is the everyman. He's the 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 person that the audience is most likely to be able to relate to. Uh, yeah, I you at know, the ha- same time why? Why? Yeah, what what do we get out of this episode? It's not like this is, you know, the when he was being captured by the Cardassians, you know, that was a, mm-hmm. you know, that that was certainly something difficult happening to O'Brien, but it was something that we, you know, I don't know, this just seems like gratuitous. It just at seems this point. being cruel to him for to be cruel. Yeah, like it, it wasn't a particularly, I, I I mean, the one where. So, so what are the torture O'Brien episodes we've seen before? Obviously, the Cardassian trial. So there, there, the there Cardassian was, trial. There's a, there's also whispers where uh, the the duplicate O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. There's that. I mean, there's also you know you you, you could argue that uh, uh, what is that episode where he ends up like replacing himself? In yeah, two hours that's in the another future. one too. I mean, I don't know. This one just seemed like okay. Again, now what's he dealing with? And it's even you know worse than the others. You know. Well, I think it's. I think it's interesting that you're asking the question of what is the point of this episode because I think the point is to tell a Star Trek story. And, and, and I don't know that you would have asked that question about this episode if it had taken place in The Next Generation. And I think that's very fair, yeah. And and I think that, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm starting to get the impression that perhaps you, you, you sometimes get a little impatient with the show when it's not dealing with what you think it should be dealing with and that that may be a that may be genuinely the point i mean again i can see a you know this show being made 20 years later the seasons would be half as long and episodes like this may end up in the on the floor but i think that we have to make a distinction and i think it's a good pairing of episodes this week because i think we do have to make a distinction between you know I'll call them filler episodes yeah. because they don't necessarily have anything to do with the Dominion or the Klingons or the Cardassians or the Bajorans or any of the other or plot even the lines Mirror that, Universe, of course. Well, you know, but but and then I think there are also things like the Mirror Universe, which are filler episodes, and I think that what you're starting to see is, you know, there are good filler episodes and there are filler episodes that really do feel like filler, and 
Hard Time is really effectively done. I think that that you know Colmini does a fantastic yeah. job uh, in this episode. Uh, who is the woman who plays his wife? Um, I feel really bad that I, that I can't remember Keiko? her name. Yeah, Keiko, but the, the actress. Um, anyway, uh, 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 real Keiko, we'll call her. It, it does a really fantastic job. Uh, Molly does, you know, she's, is she's a child actor, so she's fine. Um, I don't think she ever really knew what was going on. And so I think that... <laughs> oh, she loved they were her real parents. <laughs> If you if you look at this episode, <laughs> that I was adopted say, when I was eight. <laughs> if you look at this episode and you say, uh, "She's like four, dude." No, no, no. The actress okay. when she went back to her real family, she uh-huh. thought they were adopting her. So she's stupid. Yes, and she like she's telling all her friends like in high school, like, "Yeah, I grew up on like a space station, mm-hmm. and you know, at one point, like my dad had this vision for, her and he was in prison for twenty, and everyone thinks she's crazy." Yeah. Uh, so I think if you look at it and you say, okay, this is a really good episode. It's just a good character episode yeah. for O'Brien. It's, it's kind of looking at a different side of things than I think, you know, cause really, you know, fundamentally the problem I think is that if you look at something like, uh, uh, you know, Picard's experiences in the best of both worlds being with Cubis, yeah. or his experiences in the inner light, you know, uh, he would have been affected by that stuff a lot more than the show was able or yeah. willing to, 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 to show, you know, there've been a lot, lot of long-term ramifications around his psyche and his emotional well-being that perhaps the show was just not really able or willing to go into, which is fair. And, you know, and I'm certainly not saying that DS nine is going to have a season long arc where O'Brien gets over yeah. his, you know, his, his 20 fake years in, in a horrible prison environment. You know, I, I want to say like, yeah, the next episode, you know, part of the next episode was me thinking, well, why ain't they, you know, get real O'Brien to do that mission? But, you know, then you think, okay, well, last week, you know, he's still in counseling at this point. But I have the feel I, I would not be surprised if next week, you know, O'Brien is, you know, back to relatively normal, you know. Right. And we also don't really ever get a good sense of how much time is passing between episodes either. Yeah. You know, there are even, there are star dates, but even this episode, you know, even this episode alone, it's a little ambiguous just how much time is passing. It, it seems to, to be like a month. At it's least. a month or a couple. It's a few months. You know, yeah, it's not entirely important what. You know, it's sometimes, but it's not a year. You know? Right, right. And so I think, you know, to, to, to that degree, I think it works well. And I think it's a good episode. You know, I don't necessarily have a lot of problems watching it. I think just because I've seen it before. Yeah. And I knew what to expect going into it. Yeah. Getting, you know, him about the hit Molly was a shocking scene for me watching it first time. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, let's talk about that scene for a second, because. Well, I think is, that's really the, the, the crux of the episode that it hinges on that scene, I think. Well, uh, you know. And whether or not okay. you buy into that scene, I think, is really important for whether or not you're buying into the episode as a whole. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, so I just finished up a job uh, working coffee at a train station where a lot of people who were, you know, homeless or veterans or, you know, mentally ill would just kind of congregate. And I don't know. It felt – I've met a ton of people who were like, I just got out of prison. Like, I have no food. Like, can you – you know, I've seen – you know, people who are in prison for a very long time do get a little fucked up about it, even if they're not uh, – you know, O'Brien's particular prison also – Even if it, it's not as stereotypically horrible as the prison that O'Brien is in. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, prison in America has a ton of problems of it. It's also – you know, it's not the same as this prison, you know, either. But at the same time you – know, well no. – yeah, that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> I, did, I did just read a very long article about how, 
you know the prison system is putting two people in cells designed for one person for for uh, uh, solitary confinement and yeah. actually one cellmate is killing the other one within half an hour. So I be- no, I and you're right. I believe that I was about to say. You know there are. I, I've read plenty of articles on the abuse of solitary and, you know, neutral off and all that. So, yeah, it, 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 maybe this isn't exaggerated, but, you know, either way, people who are in prison for a long time, even who don't kill their cellmates, still come out with issues and still do need. I mean, it is very, you know, frankly, it's, you know, it's going back to that comment from, you know, Bashir in, uh, the one where they go into the what's it with uh, Gabriel Bell, the Bell riots, whatever. Oh yeah, past tense. Past tense. Yeah, where he says, you know, we have the, you know, they have the ability to help all these people. I mean, again, O'Brien is has is going to be in the best of care. He has a half dozen people who have a personal stake in looking after him. He has, you know, the best of the best in terms of counseling and medical service. He has, you know, there he has every advantage. You know, we we are left at the end of the episode knowing that while he has a road to recovery, he is going to recover. Um, and it, you know, what what I found hard to watch about this episode was knowing that this is, I guess, knowing that this is happening to people in the real world and that they're not, you know, uh, somebody who is not going to be pulled into counseling, who, you know, Keiko manages to, you know, restrain O'Brien, but there's plenty of families who don't, you know, yeah. get that restraint. And it's just, I don't know, it's a very, this was fucked up and sad and heartbreaking for me because of the real world ramifications of it, I guess. And, uh, it's, you know, we've talked about, you know, obviously, you know, we've talked about Star Trek doing social commentary. Now, um, you know, obviously the original series did the most metaphorical and allegorical stuff. TNG kind of strayed away from this. This show is dealing with, you know, again, past tense is a perfect example of the show dealing with certain issues that are real world earth at this moment, uh, using its sci-fi plots to show kind of how bad and how, you know, how how lost and fucked up you know things can get yeah and i all you know i also think it's not it's not unimportant that this episode isn't really about science fiction at all yeah i mean yeah certainly the, there's the, the the prison aspect of it is science fiction but the rest of it's not and i think you know the rest of it is a know, pretty real look at what it is like to to undergo this type of experience. I mean, you know, uh, one of the writers on the show, I think it was Robert Hewitt Wolf. I think his wife was uh, some sort of psychologist, and so okay. she actually helped out on this episode and kind of consulted on it and, and and made the the you know the reactions of O'Brien and the reactions of the other people around him. I think is as realistic as possible. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the nice things about Hard Time is how. I think well examined a lot of the little details are about O'Brien hiding some of his food and his yeah. quarters about him sleeping on the floor in his quarters, you know, about him kind of pretending to be okay, even though he's not, you know, I think that, you know, we'll have to talk about the suicide scene, but you know, it does really, you know, but at the same time you have to look at this and you say, okay, this is a really, really, you know, moving episode. It's very well done. It's very well acted. Everyone takes it very seriously, but yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it is still kind of, I'm a little I'm a little of two minds about the efficacy of doing this type of story because this is a show that wants to examine long-term character mm-hmm. arcs and sort of more long-term ramifications for the world but they're not going to have O'Brien be in therapy for a year. They're not really ever going to I mean they may mention this again, but it's certainly not going they're yeah. not going to do a follow-up to this episode in 2 years. It's the kind of thing where you know maybe 
maybe I would have liked to have seen this episode with the uh, being bold enough to have Eddings be the character who is here, you know. And you know, we've seen a little bit about Eddington. Him. You mean Eddington? Yes. You know, we've seen a little bit about him. We kind of know who he is. You know, maybe would have had a scene or two. You know, establishing his home life. You know, he could very easily have a wife and daughter. You know, and you know, him going through this experience. Uh, some, you know, basically somebody who's not 100% a minor character, having it just be on a one-shot guest star. You know, we've talked about that in many things, and I don't think that would work for the show. Uh, yeah. But, sir, you know, but yeah, having it to, giving that big of a change to a major character is something that the show is not ready to do that. But we could have, you know, it happening to Eddington and, you know, have this episode and for the rest of the season, you know, he could still be in therapy. You know, we could have an epi- we could have a season five episode, you know, midway where he finally comes back to duty if we want even, you know. Then, of course, though, I mean, I agree with you to some 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 degree. But but of course, also, we have the cliche of the guest star coming in and having a traumatic event. Yeah. that doesn't happen to the main cast. Because of course. You know, and that's. That's also a, a, TV, yeah, yeah, yeah. a TV cliche, so I, I don't know that, that that would have worked either. Well, that in a way kind of shows this show as a transitional series in you know from, again, an old school, to- totally episodic, you know, we have nowadays everything is very – TV shows nowadays are – everything is very uh, arc – you know, much more arc-based, much more serialized, and this is kind of in between the two, you know, if it had been, you know, made five years earlier, we could do it as a one-shot guest, you know, thing and not have to worry about. If it had been done five years later, we would have, you know, planned the entire season around it. Maybe but, not uh, five years later. But, but you, know, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, yeah. I mean, that, that may be part of it, too. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think if you look at it and you say, I mean, I look at this more in, in terms of Deep Space Nine, you know, being the Star Trek show where Iris Stephen Bear gets an opportunity to sort of examine and sort of reinterpret and recontextualize a lot of the assumptions that that Star Trek is built on. Mm. And, you know, the suicide scene is interesting because we he talks about evolved humanity and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And I do want to talk about that. But... I look at this episode and I say, here is what the dark side of the inner light is. That's true, yeah. I mean, you know, the and this is kind of a similar problem mm. that I remember having with the inner light, where while the inner light is a beautiful episode and it's really well done and it's really good, it also does, you know, it raises in my mind the question of, you know, how could Picard get over this experience so quickly? And that was a really nice experience. Yeah. And this is as horrible an experience as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, O'Brien is in a set, you know, essentially he's he's living 20 years in a cell with another person, not getting fed on a regular basis, not even having a bed to sleep in, doesn't even seem to have toilet facilities, mm-hmm. um, doesn't even seem to be able to change his clothes, ever take a shower, ever leave the cell. I mean, this is really bad stuff. And, I, I, you know, it makes sense that it's really bad because, of course, you can have these kind of conditions in a, in a, in a simulation that is supposed to, you know, simulate what a really, really yeah. terrible prison would be like. And in a w- well- but, but at the same time, I look at this and I say, this is much more a commentary on on TNG's The Inner Light, you know, than it is a Star Trek episode. No, and actually, I didn't even really think of it in those terms, but yeah, that that's actually a very... Yeah, what happens when, you know, somebody lives a lifetime 
in a ple- in a pleasant experience. It's going to change. That will change who Picard is forever. You know, we see him even using the flute later on in an mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. You know, so he has always taken this with him. He's become a different man, and you know, he's he and Troy have obviously talked over that experience, and you know, he's processed it, and you know, learned what he's learned from it. You know, this is not a teaching experience for him i mean we all yeah what is o'brien supposed to have learned from this let let, you know one of the things that one of the things i think is really interesting is that the person who puts him through the simulation you know specifically mentions that you know oh it's just a simulation that the prisoner himself comes up with essentially like the you know it says that the computer you know directs him to think what his worst worst scenario is so in I, way, that's interesting you say that because I kind of got the impression that they they did some sort of psychological profile of him and came up with the program based on what I mean it's not like he that came that's up that's with fair it. Too. you know it, it, I, I I guess it's it's irrelevant either way what this I, is not some sort of emergent program that is you know, no, no 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 but that doesn't really matter what I'm what I'm getting at is well I think this it, is I think o- it does well this is O'Brien's personal hell this is out of everything that I I, I think it's very clear that they picked the worst prison if you know. If Cisco went in the prison, he would have had a different experience, you know. Yeah, yeah. That said, you know, probably in all cases they are in solitary. Probably in all cases, nowhere is it nice. So this is very specifically the personal hell of O'Brien, in which he is, and the thing that he is the most upset about, as it turns out to be, is that he ultimately, in a moment of extreme hunger and rage and anger, kills his cellmate and realizes accidentally. Well, you know, he, he it's ambiguous because, especially given how. You know, when he's talking to Bashir at the end, he says, you know, it could have been you. It could have been anybody, and I still would have attacked him. You know, he – the way that O'Brien describes himself, he's almost animalistic. You know, he's running on – at this point, he is so hungry and so on pure instinct that, you know, he sees some – another creature comp- competing for food he's going to attack. And what has happened is this this experience he has felt has made him – Inhuman, unfederation in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I think you know, I, I agree with you, but I also think that it's important to to call out the fact that that I don't think that O'Brien meant to kill his cellmate. I mean, I think yes, he, he certainly meant to attack him, and he certainly yeah, was yeah, acting yeah, yeah, on yeah, yeah. instinct. But but the implication being that he did not set out to 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 you know commit no, premeditated murder. But no, no, of course not. He wasn't plotting and planning for hours. But again, I guess if you want to. If O'Brien were to come up with the worst case— But that's almost worse. That's what I was going to say. It's, it's O'Brien's worst-case scenario because not only does he attack, he actually kills the cellmate. And again, the fact that the next day they start feeding them again, you know, mm-hmm. seems almost a cruel irony on top of that. Like, obviously, this program is working with dramatic irony built into it. And it almost seems to me because, you know, at the very beginning of the episode when when it is O'Brien getting released yeah. and they say, oh, well, you're supposed to be here for 16 years yeah. or whatever it was and you're, you've been here for 20, it's time to go. You know, the implication almost is that the program was designed to terminate once he murders his cellmate. And so... The, you you, could, you could you could have more, a more optimistic interpretation of the episode where it took O'Brien a lot longer to murder his cellmate than they thought he would. Uh, uh, Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I mean either way, what? So that's good for what, O'Brien. What Bashir ends up, you know, the way Bashir ends up kind of talking him off of that particular ledge. You know, yeah, you know, for a minute you attack, but you know, you feel guilty about it. You know, you've transcended that, and that's not who you are. It was, you know, so I, I guess that 
thing about how we're supposed to, you know, that that speech, we're supposed to be so evolved, we're supposed to be beyond that. And yet I found, you know, when I when push came to shove, when I was against the wall, I was still willing to attack for a crust of bread. Yeah, well, let, let's let's delve, delve into that a little bit. Because I think I, that's I, one of the big themes of the series. I think so. And I think that, that, you know, again, you know, we talked about this, I think, in past tense. We talked about this yeah. with, with kind of Homefront and Paradise Lost that, that you know, uh, kind of one of the interpretations of DS9 is that it is sort of un-Star Trek because it's very dark and it's it's going against the ideals of Gene Roddenberry and all this kind of bullshit. Yeah. And, you know, whether or not Gene Roddenberry actually, you know, whatever, we've talked about that in the past. We don't need to go into that again. But I think that that at the ending of it where it's it's O'Brien in so much pain and not willing to uh, do what he needs to do i mean i maybe not even willing i just don't know that he has a choice in the matter i just don't think that he really um he's so damaged that he he doesn't even know that he needs healing and you mm. know he's got the phaser up against his throat and it's you know it's a striking image there're probably easier ways to kill yourself especially on a space station but I think that also when he's talking about, you know, when in school we were taught that we're evolved human beings and yeah. we're better than we used to be and there's no, you know, whatever he says, that's all true. And I think that one of this really, even in a minor episode like this, it really does show kind of, I think, the mission statement of Deep Space Nine, which is to say that it's not true that the the, the nature of humanity wow. has changed. What What has changed is... The fact that humans are in a position to not give in to their baser instincts and to always make the choice to do good instead of evil. I mean, think back to uh, I forget what episode of the original series it is, but there's a line that always strikes that always hits me where where Kirk says something like, you know, um, we may be murderers, but we choose not to kill today. And like, you know, that's kind of the, 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 I guess if you want to get kind of Christian about it, that's sort of the original sin of Mm. humanity. Right. And so what Kirk is saying in that moment is, you know, yes, we may be a violent species, but as long as we make the decision each day not to kill, we're, we're, we're doing pretty good. And I think that, you know, TNG obviously went down a different road where it was a little maybe too easy where people didn't get headaches. It's like, okay. And, and, you know, and then Deep Space Nine is kind of pulling that back a little bit and saying, yes, okay, this is, this is still uh, a very optimistic, a very peaceful, uh, you know, take on the future. The Federation is a force for good, but when it comes down to the individual person in a very bad situation, you do still have some instincts that are just there. Yeah, well, I, again, think about nobody on Earth at this point, it is implied, will ever need to kill another person for food because Earth is a paradise. There, is a, there are replicators. You know, you are never going to need to – there is no scarcity on Earth. And so, you know, obviously, yes, crimes of passion, all of those things, you know, it's not to say there is not crime on Earth anymore, but this kind of a murder would never take place. This is something that, you know – would never occur to you know anybody on the enterprise. It's very easy to love and respect everybody you're with when you're on a ship with the best of the best and you know yeah. the most intelligent and high ranking people you know and you know as colleagues and you know you can have a rock to Gino by pushing a you know by just saying it at any point. Um, so yeah, obviously on Earth, you know people it, it's easy for people because the circumstances are. But also such. I think, but also I think too. I mean, let's not forget that that. You know, in in the world of Star Trek, humanity made that happen. Yes, you know, and, and that it was not oh, given yeah. to them by no, no, by not, an at all, not at all, not at all. And I also think that if you if you look at 
kind of the structure of Federation society, what you see is a society which is very, very, uh, its main purpose and goal is to help people. And so, you know, if someone is addicted to drugs, they're going to get help. If someone is hungry, they're going to get food, you know, et cetera, et cetera. you can't picture, I can't picture a Federation prison being so poorly run that they forget to turn on the lights or feed the people on schedule. You know, no. Yeah. And and, and I mean, I would assume that Federation prisons are so different from ours that they probably are unrecognizable. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) maybe we'll see one in the future. But at the end of the day, I think that what what this episode is really trying to to get across is that it is still possible for a person to be pushed up against the wall. And, you know, what what I think is really nice about the episode is that, yeah, so Brian is obviously in a lot of pain and a lot of upset, and he's had a very, very traumatic experience. But, you know, no one gives up on him. Yeah. Uh, everyone is still very willing to, to give him every assistance they can. And, you know, you, you can see a... You can see this happening to a character on a you know twenty first century you know show set in America yeah. where this goes very badly. Yeah, and uh, that's obviously saying something about no, Amer- you know modern day America and also where the Federation is. Yeah, you know something that you and I had talked about a little bit even before we started uh, doing Trek about. Um, I believe, you know, you'd said a few times you wanted to live in the Federation. You felt that the Federation was the, uh, and I'm beginning to see your point on that again, especially given that, you know, Bashir's descriptions of Earth of way, about the way mental illness and such is treated, that's not just given to Starfleet personnel, like people are taken care of. And I find that that's, I don't know, that, I think that's important. I think that's something that you say, you know, humans made the Federation happen, and I think that is a very important ideal we do need to work towards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it is kind of a tangent, but, but you know, I, I remember listening. Uh, there's, a, there's a podcast called The Weeds, which is Vox, and it's like, a, you know, Isaac Klein and um, Matt Iglesias, and, and, and it's really terrible that I forget the woman's name. How appropriate is that? Uh, but it, it's twice a, in one episode. You forgot it, a lady's name. It's I'm I'm a misogynist. I don't know. Uh, it, it's a politics podcast, and they were sort of talking about the they the, they came up with this sort of tax calculator for the the Republican and Democratic uh, candidates for president this year. So you know Bernie Sanders, Clinton, um, uh, Trump, and Cruz, and I, I think that's pretty much it at this point. I, I don't the Kasich hasn't dropped out um, as of this recording, but he's probably going to. Uh, <laughs> but but what they were saying is really like you know Ezra Klein kept saying well it's very it's very um um uh I forget exactly what terminology used but something like irresponsible um for the Trump and the Cruz tax plans I mean people don't really understand exactly how much they would impact society like their tax plans would cut tax revenue by something like nine trillion dollars over 10 years and they were doing the math and saying, okay, well, to, to, to get to that, you'd have to cut all kinds of services. You would have to cut Medicaid. You would have to cut all foreign aid. You would have, I mean, there's so many things you would have to cut and you still would not get to where you are. At, whereas, you know, Clinton obviously has a more Obama-style yeah. uh, tax plan where it's just kind of like, eh, we'll do some things and we'll justify them here and we'll actually pay for them. And Bernie Sanders, of course, is... His tax plan is a, is a wholesale reimagining of the federal government and sort of taking in a lot of uh, responsibilities of the private sector right now, healthcare and, and education being two of them. Um, you know, well, not that education of the private sector, but more the how it's paid for. That he's basically taking that under the umbrella of the federal government and and, and you know greatly increasing the size and scope of the federal government. But if it works, he's he's remade America forever. And if it's a failure, he has completely discredited. 
uh, you know, that sort of a progressive liberal stance for, for a generation. Um, so there are a lot of stakes there. But, but, you know, his point really, and then, you know, sort of Matt Iglesias came in and said that, you know, it's not irresponsible for, for Trump and Cruz to propose such a large tax increase. It's just, it's, it's mean, yeah. right? Because, because everybody knows what they're going to do to balance the budget if they give a tax you know, break of this magnitude. They're going to cut services yeah. for poor people. It's the way that they and, can kill off a third of the, the countries and, you know, get the everybody a little more elite. Right. And so, you know, the fact that the media does not call them on this and explicitly say, look, you want to give fi- financial recompensation to rich people and cut services for poor people. And you're not making any sort of, you know, uh, 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 you're not making any sort of, 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 you know, latitude for that at all. Yeah. You're not making any sort of, you know, other program for that at all. You're just saying, you know what, we're going to give a tax cut to, you know, these people and we're just going to, you know, fuck poor people essentially. And I think that's right. I think that is mean. And I think that what, you know, to wrap this back around this long kind of tangent this is creating uh, what, what this is really demonstrating is that we have a long way to go towards building a society like the Federation where we don't want to be mean to people because everybody deserves food and health care and shelter and and you know i mean this seems like it's towards whatever the districts were called in uh past the sanctuaries yeah Yeah, this this seems like that's the you know that this this is the first step towards a sanctuary frankly yes (laughs) yeah and and so you know i think that that's why an episode like hard time is important because it does show yeah you know, how the Federation got to where it is. And even if the individual people have a hard time with it sometimes, at the end of the day, no one in the Federation is alone. Yeah. And I think that's what's important here. Yeah. I think it is good also that we have it mentioned at least, you know, or or talked about that there are counselors on the station, you know, just none of them are main cast members. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's fine. That makes sense. Yeah, that 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 was a big question, again, I had had because no one had mentioned it. And you'd think at some point it's just... Never happened to be talked about before. Yeah. Let's talk about Shattered Mirror. So, you know, you're you're making a very fun face at me right now. I, I want... So the Mirror Universe. I guess we have to reckon with the Mirror Universe. It's a real thing now. It's not a joke. It's very much a real thing now. The first time I was like, holy shit. Wow, they've progressed it in the past, you know, 40, you know, 30, 40 years. Like, that's surprising. Okay, you know, then the second time, oh, wow, they're keeping going with this. And now at this point, they really are continuing with this one, aren't they? So, yeah, and... and I, I don't know why I don't like the Mirror Universe, but I don't think I do. It's not something that really gets better with repeated mm. visits, right? Yeah, like, so the concept is... Shocking. The concept is let's see our our, our main cast members in a different environment. Let's see them act very differently. That's all fine. But the Mirror Universe is not a real place. People say, oh, let's have a show set in the Mirror Universe. God, why? Like, I don't want that at all. And See, like, well, I guess I figure it's like either the Mirror Universe is like the main gimmick of the series. Like, you know, if, if we had a Star Trek series that's, you know, based on the two of them, you know. Or it's like a one-time thing. Here it's – I don't know. Like there is so much shit going – again, we were talking about I tend to like the meta plots of 
Deep Space Nine, but the Mirror Universe is just too fucking much. Like, we have the Bajor arc, we have the Cardassia arc, we have the Dominions, we have, have what's going on with the Klingons, and now I gotta remember the Mirror Universe too, and it doesn't really affect anything like that. It would be one thing, for example, if there's the Dominion and the Mirror Universe, and they decide to form a two-pronged attack, on, you know, like that would be, you know, if that's where something ended up going. Or, but why would that re- even be interesting? I mean, that's just wasting time that they could be spending on the actual Dominion. Well, you know, again... Well, that's my being problem with Shattered Mirror, is like, it's it's... It's it's well written. It's competently directed. It's competently yeah. acted. I don't have a problem with it. It moves along at a nice pace. It's entertaining enough. We have some great, you know, Cisco and Jake moments. But why is it? What is the purpose of this? Like, there is no purpose. It's just something that I think it's something that the writers think is interesting, and that's fine. And like we've said many times before, they got to make twenty six episodes a yeah. season. They're not all going to be, you know, they're not all going to be hits. And so Shattered Mirror, I think if they go back to the Mirror Universe once a season, that's a way that they can cross off one of those 26 that's, episodes. And that's fine. But I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, there, to one degree, the Mirror Universe kind of has the TNG approach to it. In other words, the first time we were in the Mirror Universe, we met Mirror Cisco, And the second time we went... You know, that's, okay, well, Mirror Cisco implies Mirror Jennifer, and that could be a really interesting thing to do because, you know. And, and I think that episode was was perhaps less successful than, than it thought sure. it was. It was okay. And now we, you know, well, what about Mirror Jake? Well, you know, let's have Mirror, Mirror Jennifer, you know, meet real Jake because there is no Mirror Jake. And, you know, let's do that. And, you know, now we have Mirror Worf, and, you know, he's going to be the main villain of the Mirror Universe, apparently. And, you know... Okay, sure. Like I'll I'll see an imaginary story once a season, whatever. Like, but where is this going, and what is the point? I mean, because really, it's it it comes yeah. down to the fact that uh, at this point they've really run out of. I think connections to the main cast members of any sort of emotional content, right? Like, mm. yes, the first one was just shocking and it was, it was Kira and, and Bashir in the mirror universe. And it was like, Holy shit, the mirror universe. I can't believe they went back to it. And it was, yeah. it was cartoonish and it was comic booky and it was fun. And it was just a good episode. It was fun. And then the second one happens. And while it's less successful, they, they kind of extrapolated out. Okay. Let's have Jennifer and let's have Ben have to deal with, with yeah. mirror universe, Jennifer. Okay. And now the third one happens, and they go back to the Jennifer Well, and you know, setting up its own storyline, really. Well, because it's but it doesn't though, because she dies at the end. Well, you know, and yes, you know, you could say, okay, Ben finally gets a chance to say goodbye to Jennifer. All right, fine. You know, Jake gets a chance to say goodbye to Jennifer. All right, fine. But is that really is that enough? Does it justify the existence of this episode? I know. It feels like this much of this episode was, you know, obviously, yes, the Jennifer, Ben, Jake thing, you know, and that's fine, you know. Um, they get some, you know, again, there are some nice moments out of that. I like the ending when, you know, Cisco breaks down in his son's arms, you know. I mean, that's just a, again, you know, you you really like Jake and Cisco things. I, I am starting to, too, and that's a nice moment, you know, where they are able to finally grieve together. Yeah. Uh, you know, and all of that, but... Um, 
I feel like a lot of this episode is to get us invested in what's going to happen next. Ooh, the intendant, she's away. Oh, you know, Cisco owes her, you know, she, Cisco owes her a favor now. What, you know, what's he going to do? You know, how is she going to cash in on letting Jake, you know, live? How is, you know, what's, what's Mirror Wharf going to do? Is the, is the, is Tarek Noor going to be okay? You know, well, see, that's and the, I don't care. Well, that's the thing. I don't care either. And, and, you know, it's not big enough. Like if you're going to go, if you're going to create this whole, you know, alternate mirror universe thing you know the first episode the first mirror universe episode that ds9 did was was pretty shocking because yeah they completely upended the status quo and they said oh you know what well kirk fucked things up and the the terran empire was overrun by the cardassians and the alliance and blah 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 and they really kind of like reset the table for the mirror universe and you're like wow that's interesting yeah. okay and now they're just kind of going a little bit and tweaking it a little bit and it's like Okay, we have this episode. It's a third Mirror Universe episode. The the rebels have taken over Terok Nor and they've built a Defiant because yeah, they can do that. And and but, as I said, but, why are but they like? But why not have it like if you want to go back and just have it be a completely different thing? You know, and I want to reconstruct the episode and just kind of make a better episode. But I really think at this point we have to because the the whole concept of the Mirror Universe is that things are not the same. Like, there's no responsibility. You don't have to have a, a, a you don't have to sort of incrementally change the status quo because you're running a weekly television series in this universe this is an episode where Miro o'brien could be tortured and then spend a year you know freaking out no i'm thinking yeah. like even bigger than that i mean why not just have the re- like you know jennifer comes back and takes you know ben and, and jake and you know oh the alliance has taken over the galaxy and you know it's like mm-hmm. you could do that kind yeah. of shit i mean like and they don't they don't seem to either i don't know if they don't realize they can do that or they don't think it's interesting i, I don't know but it's not big enough. It's just, why go back to this again? Yeah, I mean, this should be, you know, they're making, you know, it seems to be that they're making the Klingons, you know, a big villain in the Miri universe. This could be the moment where we could see what the Klingons would do if if in the real universe. I mean, this could be a way of exploring stakes. Yeah. Again, have the Klingons take over the Miri universe and things are horrible. That's how we know what's going to happen if the Klingons in the real universe, you know, Managed to take over, you know, you could do things like that, you know, and yeah, it seems like they're not. It's just fundamentally uninteresting. Yeah, I think because, you know, the mirror universe in in Mirror Mirror from the original series, again, was, you know, a dark look at what the the Enterprise crew would be like in, a, in an evil federation. Yeah. OK, I'm with you. That's good. What what is this? I, and especially it's like taking the mirror. You know the problem is it's taking the mirror universe seriously as a seriously. setting, and and it's not a, it's not a real setting. You, especially because again, what you know, because it's split off from the very moment that the first mirror universe episode happened, not from when Kirk happened. So for for example, in the mirror universe, obviously you know Ben Cisco and Jennifer were married but split before uh, Jake was born. Yeah, or Jake was conceived even. Um, and so that you know, so that's a big different divergence in the timeline. That's the only person. That's the only couple that didn't have a kid, right? You know, you know like right. O'Brien's parents still got together, even you know, with everything. Yeah, I you mean, know. you can't really like, look at it that you know. you know. But 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 at the same, well, that's exactly what I'm saying. The like, more it's not the more, a real, it's not yeah. a real setting. If if we did it, you know, once, even twice, I didn't really ask those questions because all right, that's fine. You know, I could accept. But now, it, with the more that we go into it, the more questions are going to be there. Right. 
Right. And I think that's, yeah, that's the problem with it is like it, it, it does invite those kind of questions about what exactly is going on. And if you want us to take, if you want us to, take, as the audience, to take this as a real setting, okay, I'm going to start asking these questions. Then. Yeah. And, you know, again, why is this interesting? Like, I don't care about the rebels. I don't care about the alliance. Oh, the Bajorans are evil. Oh, Kira is evil. You know, oh, it's it's the Klingons and the Cardassians and the Bajorans together in some sort of horrible, you know, uh, uh, a fake federation of, of alien species that are denigrating the, the humans and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I'm trying to be like, you know, somewhat uh, uh, analytical about this. No, but... I mean, again, we can analyze this episode. We can look into every character's thing. You know, for example, you know, one of the one of I don't like I don't get what Bashir is in this episode because he's nothing like his real world counterpart, for example. Uh, like most of the people in this are an interesting look at if people turned out slightly differently. You can picture Kira going into, you know, madness and depravity in this way if she, you know, if this were her situation, you know. You can picture a version of Cisco without the discipline of the Federation, you know, and becoming a little swaggering, you know. Uh, you know, Dax, you know, from, you know, what we know Dax is very much the kind of person who is going to, you know, go off on do something crazy for, and Jetsy is, you know, do off, go off and do something crazy for, on a whim and, you know, joining the captain for this rebellion, you know, is the kind of thing she would do. But Bashir is just an asshole. Right. You know, he's not even remotely medical, you know, he's, well, nothing. maybe he's just, um, he's, he's the, the logical extrapolation of first season asshole of, of Bashir. <laughs> maybe that could be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that they've ever really asked these questions. Yeah. And I think that's the fundamental problem with it is that they think that this is a lot more interesting than I do. I'm going to be honest. I mean, yeah, this, and, and frankly, the special effect of, of Nana visitor being the intendant, the more I see it, the less you know. The less impressed I am by it. I mean, she's still very good as at it, but you know, again, it was very shocking the first you know time, even the second. You know, she was a really cool character. Now I I'm used to it. Yeah, and also I think there is some issues with Kira being evil and bisexual. Oh but... yeah, I mean that that's actually you know given frankly given the whole um given the way. Th- the, the Dax episode where she, you know, had that woman that had been her ex-husband, you know, and you said this is their way of having, you know, a gay relationship without having a gay relationship. Well, here's another example of how they're able to have a, you know, bisexual character. And it's showing, you know, it, again, it's shown as an example of her sadism and her, yeah. her decadence rather than, you know, just who she is. Right, you know? right. Yeah, that's a problem. We don't I- really get the sense that, you know, our real Kira is bisexual, for example. Yeah, which doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, another thing that doesn't make sense about it is is fundamentally they're asking us to accept a universe where the, the mirror universe counterparts to our real characters are able to stop, you know, specific people from, from beaming over. And and also, frankly, it's it's mm. it's ridiculous that they can pass back and forth so easily. Um <laughs> But it's also ridiculous that Cisco wouldn't have said, "Hey, Dax, um, figure out a way for them to not do this anymore." <laughs> like, why? Why do we want them to have the ability to come over here in the first place? Why is Cisco at this point? And the, again, these are questions that I didn't necessarily ask in the first and second, you know, installments yeah. of, of, of Mirror Universe DS Nine. But with this third one, it's like, isn't there some sort of like? 
alternate universe prime directive how yeah. can cisco just do this stuff like doesn't he have to write a report about this and what 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 are his superiors saying about this like are they like well, you shouldn't have helped them like what like it doesn't none of this makes any sense and the more time you spend yeah. in this setting it raises these questions and makes you think about it more yeah it's almost as if you know, on the one hand, you get the sense that, you know, Cisco feels, well, it's the mirror universe, you know, the real rules don't really apply, but, you know. But that's not true. Given, yeah, given that they're coming back, and you know, and they're pulling people back, and, you know, for example, Jennifer is going ostensibly to just tell him news about the thing, and, you know, at the beginning, it looks like, oh, maybe they're going to date, you know, that that possibility is vaguely broached, you know, in the episode, and I'm also, where's Cassidy Yates, by the way? But anyway. Where is she? Yeah. She's on her ship. Yeah. She's delivering parts. I miss her. Somewhere. She'll be back. Okay. I, yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, it's it's all just a big, like, flat, so what? This like, is an episode that would... And again, you know, I... Maybe I, I, if they had done Mirror Universe shit in TNG, it would have worked better. This kind of maybe would work better for, again, TNG's style of continuity... And also the way that, you know, again, given how busy DS9 seems to be, but maybe it wouldn't. I'm getting your sense from your look that you don't want this. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think a Mirror Universe episode of TNG would... Yeah. I mean, number one, it probably wouldn't have gone in this direction. And so yeah. what you would get is most evil Picard. likely evil Picard. And so, you know, why is that interesting? I mean, you know, and, and, and again, the Mirror Universe is a kind of joke setting that you can go back to once, but once you keep going back and back to it, it's not, it's just kind of, why are you wasting my time with this? So let me, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I want to not avoid spoilers and, you know, be sensitive, you know, but you know, in general, so obviously they're going to go back to the mirror universe a few more times over the course of this. I think there's like maybe two more episodes in the mirror universe. Okay. I mean, does it have like an ending, you know, does like the fifth mirror universe, they defeat dark wharf and you know, everybody's happy kind of thing. Can I be honest with you? Not really. I I don't remember. Okay. But so, uh, you know, but, but again, you know, because, you know, the one, one of the questions I want to ask, like, so this doesn't really tie into the major plot. It's not like, you know, they use mirror universe technology to defeat the Dominion at the end. No. Yeah. Like, if, if they were doing something like that where they'd have both DS9s attacking the Dominion or, you know, that would be a thing, you know, but – or they get one Dominion to fight the other Dominion. You know, like, if that was the plan for the Mirror Universe all along, I would say, all right, you know, well, you know, they were establishing it, reminding us of it, and, you know, eventually going to use it as the big climax, but not even. You know, I think it was just a... There's a lot of things that they didn't revisit, and I don't know why they didn't revisit yeah. them. You know, I would have much rather have seen, uh, you know, Tom Riker again, for instance, yeah, because that was kind of left very ambiguously, you know, and if you want to say, okay, like, again, they have to make 26 episodes of television a season. Some of them are not going to be great. Even in the really not very good episodes, I think that generally we think they try. I just don't know if they're so enamored by the concept of the yeah. mirror universe that they think that anything they're going to do is interesting and they're not really trying with these episodes. I don't know. I mean, it seems... It's certainly not badly done, 
but there's a there's a distinct lack of any sort of hook to this that just makes it seem like a big waste of time. I mean, part of me almost feels like maybe it would have been more effective instead of continuing the mirror universe each time. I mean, maybe they do want to revisit a couple concepts from the original series and do a DS9 take. For example, the DS9 crew ends up on the Shoreleaf planet, you know, that kind of a thing, you know, and, you know, we'll do the DS9 take on that or something, you know, something along those lines rather than keeping with this mirror universe. If we have to make a filler, why does it have to be this, I guess? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's like you leave this episode, leave this universe aside and go figure out some other way to get your 25th episode for the season because yeah. this is not the way to do it. Well, and, and, you know, I remember telling you when the very beginning when we had, you know, the first mirror universe episode, I think what back in season two, yeah. that, that there was diminishing returns with this. And okay. I think you're starting to see that. Yeah. So it, 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 it's, it's. I, I feel like people are, you know, will say Mirror Universe in the same way you say Holodeck episode, maybe. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and I think that's not a bad analogy, actually. Yeah. You know, I think that these are the episodes that are kind of filler and, and never make a whole lot of coherent sense. And but could, don't, you don't, know, they, that, they could. That's yeah, the again, thing. The, 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 the Holodeck almost had an accidental arc about the development of, you know, intelligence and all of that. And, you know, is this a... If that had been a little more deliberately done, and again, we're asking it to be written in a style that was not in existence for the most part at the time or just wasn't done, you know, for several reasons. And, you know, of course, you know. And you know what, again, I mean, they're making 170 something yeah. episodes of television over the seven seasons. If if they're making uh, uh, four or five Mirror Universe episodes, OK, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's, you know, one percent of what they did. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, okay, you could have given us something else. Or frankly, just don't make this episode. <laughs> like, do something else. I don't know. Like, just do something else. Anyway. So, Trek About does not favor me or universes. No. Uh, well, if you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just talked about, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at trekaboutshow.com. I'm sorry. I just noticed that in my notes, it autocorrected Shattered Mirror to Shatner's Mirror. So I would like to see that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, our social media username where you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is Trek About Show. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Trek About Show, uh, where you can go and, and, and give the show a little support if you feel so inclined. Huh. And uh, we also have a special patron episode that we do once a month. The May patron special that uh, just released last week is about the Klingons. So if you like Klingons or you like hearing us talk about Star Trek things that are not specifically about episodes of Star Trek, please go to patreon.com slash Trek about show and give generously. And as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review for Trek about next week. We are getting to the end of the fourth season of DS nine. We're going to be talking about, and these are actually good episodes. So we're the, the show's yeah. coming back this week. Not, not that, not well, that I mean, how, bad, what, but, what episode did we just finish? Uh, that was episode 20. So, and uh, out of 26? Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, that seems like, all right, you know, we're in the week, Spartan, you know, now we're on the last, you know, six of them, so let's do the strong ones. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're going to be talking about The Muse, which is, I believe... Amusing? The last appearance of Loxana Troy. Oh. Oh. And I'm not spoiling anything because Netflix no, tells no, you she's in it. No, no. And I, I mean, I just assume they just, you know, she just doesn't get – it's not like she gets killed at the end. <laughs> no. <laughs> Odo, Odo actually uh, – he, Absorbs he, 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 her. He absorbs her, yeah. Oh, my uh, God. Absorbs her power. Uh, yes. I don't need except for the Waxana Troy. 
just 45 minutes of that. Uh, yeah, so it was very experimental. The show was almost canceled as a result. People wrote in all these letters. Rene Bourgeois was very upset. He left the set one day, didn't come back for 12 hours. It was, all, it was very bad. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about that episode, The Muse, and we're going to be talking about For the Cause. So we'll see you then.